Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. All right. Tonight is about wounds and scars, and I'd love you if you have a Bible either on your device or maybe on the good old-fashioned paper one. Let's go to John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 20. John 20, verse 20, just one verse, and it says this, when He, capital H, it's Jesus, when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. These disciples that we've just read about are Jewish people for whom crucifixion is a fairly common occurrence. The Romans delighted in it, they'd invented it as being the most painful way to execute someone that any person could ever devise. And I haven't got the time tonight to go into the depths of, the, of just the pain and the torture of it. But I want you to realise that these people understand that. They're aware of it. They understand where the nails go. They know the significance of the piercing of the side to hasten and to prove death. And so when Jesus stops and appears to them, and first of all, the first thing He does is say, look at this and shows them the wounds in his hands, shows them the hole where his side was pierced, then these people understand that Jesus is saying this to them, that what was meant to finish me has become proof of God's resurrection power. If it was still a wound, if it was still an open sore, if it was still running with the fluid that comes out of a wound, if it was still bleeding, then He would not have been able to demonstrate the resurrection. It's because the wound has now become a scar. I want you to hear this tonight because I want to talk to you about your life. And I want to talk to you about the things in your world and in your experience Maybe some of them go back a long time. Maybe some of them are fresh and they're new. Maybe someone hurt you or wounded you or maybe there was a failure in your life or there was some kind of a disaster or something that afflicted you or oppressed you. Maybe you just stumble in such a bad way that you feel that you could never recover from that. It's, in other words, it's still a wound inside of you, then I want to speak to you tonight because I believe that the Holy Spirit in this service is going to begin turning people's wounds into scars. You see, a wound is what happens to you. Jesus did not make the wounds in His hands, in His feet, in His side. He did not make those but they were made to Him by others. And for so many of us, the wounds that we carry are what somebody else has done. 
Somebody else brought that pressure. Somebody else disappointed us. Somebody else broke our heart. Somebody else rejected us. Somebody else disappointed us. Somebody else, whether you think it was the government, it was a a business partner, a colleague, uh, someone who stabbed you in the back as it were. But for many of us, those wounds are still there. And a wound is what happens to you, but a scar is what you and God do to a wound. I'll say that again. A wound is what happens to you. You didn't ask for it. You didn't cause it. You didn't choose it. It happens to you. But a scar, on the other hand, is what you do to a wound. Some people, their wound becomes a scar. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And about the significance of scars in your life and how God wants to use them because He he can do something powerful with them. If you've got a scar tonight, I'm going to ask you not to bury it, not to forget it, but to let God use it to become an inspiration to others. But if you've still got a wound, if there's something inside of your life, maybe when you're a kid, this happened to you. I've met so many people that now, even as adults, what should have become a scar has remained a wound. And I believe that tonight it's not my cleverness or even my message per se. It will deliver to you something that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do in this service, no matter who you are or where you are. Never think to yourself, but there's nobody here, Jeff. It's just me and my device. I'm in my lounge room. I'm in my study. I'm in my office. I'm in my workplace. I'm in my FIFO, uh, you know, cubicle. There's nobody here. and I feel all alone. Yet I'll tell you right now that the Holy Spirit is there with you just the same as if you were here in this building with us tonight. God wants to turn wounds into scars. And so right at the beginning, I want to ask you, are your wounds become scars or are they still wounds in your life? Let God start to turn your wounds into a scar. Let's talk about scars for a minute. I've got several uh, from various operations and things that have happened. I remember as a boy running onto a garden fork in the backyard, I think I was about 12, a metal garden fork went through the top of one toe and out the bottom of the other side. And to this day, there's a scar on the third toe of my left foot that's there. There's a scar on my hand here from one day when I was trying to fix my motor mower and the accelerator cable flicked off and pierced right up through this part of my hand. There's other scars maybe that I carry in my body But a scar is a sign of your victory and of your enemy's defeat. When Jesus declares to the disciples, here, look at my scars. They know right at that moment that the enemy that put him on the cross, the gloating enemy that said, we've finished him now. This is the end of this ministry of deliverance and of good news and of healing and of salvation. This ministry of the revelation of the Messiah has now ended. We've finally got Him. 
And yet Jesus stands there, shows them the scars that are the proof of His victory over the enemy. They are the proof of the defeat of the devil. Many of you know what I'm talking about. There's a scar that you now carry, but don't be ashamed of it for it's the proof that you're still here. It's the proof that that thing that they said you may not recover from, that thing that debilitated your body or your marriage or your personal life or your finances or your business, but still you're here and that proof is a proof of victory and a proof of the enemy's defeat. Have a look with me right now at this picture coming up for you on your screen. Wherever you are, it's a good friend of mine, Bruce McPhee. I was talking to him just the other day and he and I still talk regularly. Bruce was a part of this church for a number of years and actually served in kids ministry. It was a wonderful, wonderful, just one of the gentlest greatest and most wonderful people. But here's a picture. Is it up there? This is Bruce McPhee. He's five times world champion Muay Thai. That's kickboxing for those of you who don't know what that is. He's five times world champion. Best in the world. There he is. You can see on his shorts, preacher. They called him the fighting preacher. They'd introduce him in the ring as the fighting preacher. Show me another one, if you would. There's three, I think, all together. There he is with all those trophies. That's not even all of them. There he is, preacher again. He dyes his hair purple after every victory. Don't ask me why, he just does. Well, five times world champion. I'm interviewing Bruce on Honor Monday. That's Father's Day for everyone else. In the night service, I'm interviewing Bruce McPhee. He's now a chaplain at a school in Queensland. But I'm going to be interviewing partly about what it takes to be a champion. But I'm also interviewing him. He's a single man, never married. But he's taken on fostering two children from an extended family member that wasn't able to care for the children. I'm going to be asking him, about fathering when you've not been a father. I believe everybody should be a part of that service on, on a men day, Father's Day in the night service. And so I've got his permission to talk to you about him though tonight. Five times world champion Muay Thai kickboxer. And I rang him during the week and I said, Bruce, tell me about your injuries. I said, how many fights have you had, by the way? How many victories do you have? He ummed and out a minute and he kind of lowered his voice because he's one of the humblest people I've ever met. I think if I was five times world champion, I would be wearing a crown or I'd wear a T-shirt that says number one five times or something. Uh, but I, he kind of lowered his voice. He said, oh, 110, I think, wins. He said, but I did lose a few. He said, I had 164 fights. So he won two-thirds of them. I said, Bruce, what injuries do you have now? If you kind of get grossed out by stuff like this, just turn away for a second. I remember seeing this one because he was here when he had the fight. He split his shin from there down to there, split it to the bone and kept fighting and won. 
he split his face quite severely. Knocked out. He said, I don't know how many times, but it's a few. I dislocated my shoulder, he said, during a fight and kept fighting and won. He said, I fractured an eye socket. He said, oh, there's a few like that. I said, but Bruce, haven't you forgotten? Because see, I remember after his last bout, he tore his bicep off the bone. It now sits up here. He says, oh yeah, I forgot that. I'm looking at this guy going, are you kidding me? How do you forget something like that? But I'll tell you why I reckon Bruce forgets it. It's because his scars, his things that are now mended over are not a sign to Bruce of pain. They're a sign of all of his victories. Ask Bruce what's uppermost in his mind. I'm telling you, it's not 54 losses. It's 110 wins. Let me ask you a question because everybody that I know has had wins. But isn't it amazing how so often our wins desert our memory? And what we remember most vividly are our failures. The things that we didn't do right. The Scripture says that we have an enemy who is the accuser of the brethren. He's called the one who condemns. Do you know why? Because he figures that's the best weapon he's got to get you out of the place of fighting to win. If he can convince you there's no point stepping up, standing up, getting back up. If he can convince you of that, then the battle's already won. So your scars are a sign of your victories. Here's the next thing. Your scars are a sign of your prevailing. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, most of Bruce's victories weren't one punch and it's all over. One kick and the battle is already done. Most of them were drawn out, dragged out battles round after round. I'm never so in awe of the people that have a lucky punch as I am of those people that are faithfully every day. I know people in this church that have been battling day after day. Some of them are in this room right now, month after month, now going on after a year, but they're still believing and they're still praying and they're still saying, God, I believe there's victory up ahead for me. And those people will understand something about prevailing, that the person for whom it's all just easy, it happens quickly, they'll never know because a scar is a sign of prevailing. It sometimes takes time. Genesis chapter 32 verse 28 is the story of Jacob who has been a man, let's just say a very poor character. He's not walked with God. He's been a cheat, a swindler. And finally, he's been cheated himself because what you sow, you reap. But finally, God begins to get a hold of this man's life. And he decides to go back and to face the brother that he cheated. As he's going back, he sends his family and all of his assets ahead. And he spends one night wrestling in prayer from the time it's dark 
until the breaking of day. In the middle of the night, the Lord comes to him. But not as some saintly hallelujah singing uh, sense of beauty. But rather he comes as the Lord. And Jacob is wrestling. Now can I tell you, he's wrestling for his character. He's wrestling because he doesn't want to go back the same as he left. He's wrestling not for assets or for stuff. He's already blessed beyond measure. He's wrestling saying, God, with everything I've got, it will mean nothing if you don't go back with me and change me. And so he wrestles all night long. Don't ask me to explain what that is or how it worked. All I know is this, that in the form of an angel, the Lord is there. And Jacob wrestles and won't let him go. And the angel says, quit, give up. And he goes, no, I'm not going to. Until you bless me. Until I leave here, listen to me, knowing that there's something on me that I never came with. See, sometimes we just come to God and we toss Him a prayer as though it's something so simple. A couple of years ago, uh, we were in the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. And people were writing out their prayer requests. I didn't know what it was and that's a whole other story. But they'd write them out and they'd put them in the wall thinking that somehow or other the sacred wall would do it. So many of us, even in the Christian church, we have this idea, well, if the pastor prays, if somebody else does it, or I'll just let God know at the next red traffic light what my need is. But Jacob is wrestling for something. He's saying, God, are you hearing me tonight? Because see, I believe God wants to give us so much more, but many of us are just so comfortable with the good things we have rather than going, but there's got to be more than what I have. I need something more. I don't know about you, but my life is still driven, not by the need to achieve or by the opinions of others, but by a holy desire that came into my life when I came to Jesus. A holy desire that says there's got to be more. And despite my weaknesses and my stumblings and my brokenness and my failures and my ignorance and my missteps, that hunger has never left. And that still drives me to come to God and say, God, God, you've got to do something more and greater in my life. And Jacob feels like that and he wrestles. Verse 28, the Lord says to him this. He says, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you've prevailed. He changes his name because he just changed his nature. But then he touches him in the hip. And in touching him in the hip, the sinew that's there was shrunk. And thereafter, Jacob walks forever with a limp. When his family saw him, the next moment where they saw him coming towards them, every one of them would have looked up and wondered to themselves, what's happened to Jacob? What's happened to my husband? What's happened to my dad? What's happened to my master? What's going on here? Do you think that Jacob went up there and tried to pretend he never had a limp? I don't know what you, how you do it. I don't think that he, I actually believe that Jacob was proud of the scar of the limp that he had. I think he could hardly wait for someone to come up and say, tell me what happened, did you have a fall? 
Did your horse roll on you, break your hip? Are you okay? Is it painful? Can we do anything? I think he's hoping everybody will ask him about his scar because he wants to tell them the story. A couple of nights ago, I was in this place and God visited me. They go, oh, yeah, right. He goes, no, you don't understand. God visited me. And I wrestled with God. And somehow or other in that night, God changed me and they can tell there's something different about him. He said, and as the angel left at the breaking of day, he touched me in that hip joint and my sinew shrank and now here I am. But changed, but still got a scar. Come on, listen to me tonight. I know there are people and you're a part of this service and you've been trying to forget the scar. You've been trying to pretend you don't have it. You don't want to talk about it. And God's going, don't you understand that your scar is a sign of your prevailing? Don't you understand that that divorce, that bust up, that rejection, that failure, that bankruptcy, that hurt, that rejection, don't you understand that that thing can become the very thing that will prompt people to ask you why you're like you are now? Why are you like you are? How come? How come you didn't crumble? How come you never gave up? How come you haven't just chucked in the towel? How come you're not full of misery and complaining? The scar is a sign of my prevailing. The third thing is that my scars are a sign of my followership. Some of us are going to have scars because we did what was right and we did what was godly because we made the right choice. Not all scars come because of problems. Not all scars come because someone did you wrong. Sometimes doing right will give you a scar in your life. You know, a lot of people may not want to hear this, but there is a price to following Jesus. He said, if anyone follows me, let him take up their cross and follow me who was going to the cross. Are there scars? Yeah, there are. Are there difficult things in following Jesus? Oh, yes, there are. Are there some things you want to do that you'll know you'll say no to? Oh, yes, there are. Are there some things you'll say yes to serving God or following God that you really would rather take another option, less onerous? Yes, there are. But scars are a sign of your followership. In Galatians 6 verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, Let no one trouble me any further, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He's saying, you know what? My followership, I've got proof of it. There's scars. Come on, some of you here, you know what I'm saying. Some of you, you're following Jesus and there's, you've carried some load. There's a few aching muscles. There's a few sore backs. Remember the last time someone, you know, spoke wrongly to you and you didn't walk away and badmouth them, you forgave them? You kind of go, I really want to give it to them. I really want to let them have it. Maybe that's a small thing, but for some people it's huge. Your scars are a sign of your followership. I mentioned this one already, a scar is an inspiration to others. I've lost count of how many times I've heard how someone's testimony, the story of their victory in a test, has inspired somebody else. Wow, I never would have get, you know, if, if you get to know, like I'm, I'm the senior pastor of this church, it's my privilege and joy. But one of the things that amazes me is how many people in this church that I know of, other people would look in and go, they all look so together. They look so 
like everything's sweet? And I go, yeah, but if you knew where they'd come from. Can I tell you, come on, the gospel's not for the people that have got it all together. The gospel's for whosoever wills to may come. Lastly, let me say this, that a scar is an indicator of great grace. Something of God helped you get through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is a list of all Paul's ordeals. There's a big long list of them, just like Bruce McPhee's scars. One after another, all these things he said, I went through for the gospel's sake. Big long list. Everybody that wants to be an apostle, take note. 2 Corinthians 11 is a list of all of his pain. And obviously chapter 12 follows chapter 11. But a lot of people don't link the two together because where in verse 9, the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. The background, the context to it is all of his trials. He's saying, God, are you kidding me? I can't take any more of this. Are you for real, Lord? I'm not sure if the future looks like the past. If there's difficulty up ahead, I've had my fair share. I don't think I can do any more. And the answer of God comes to him and says, you know what? Every one of those scars is an indicator of great grace. Listen, I know tonight, oh, I, I'm so aware of the Holy Spirit speaking to individual lives right now and right through this service that God is speaking to you and saying, come on. Some of you, the scars, and God says, would you let me use it? Some of you where it's a wound and you've, you've hidden it away and you keep it tightly wrapped up so no one will ever see it. Tonight the Lord's saying, if you'll let me, I'll heal it and turn the wound into a scar. Because as Hayden mentioned in Mingle Time, I asked Dr. Ruby, who was here on the platform, she's a medical doctor, almost a specialist. And I asked her, I said, Ruby, is it true that whilst you can catch infection from a wound, you can't catch it from a scar? And she says, absolutely. See, if you've still got a wound, there's always the danger that you'll let it infect somebody else in your world. The hurt that you've had will overflow and touch someone else. But if you let God make a scar out of it, that can never happen. You won't go around making other people infected by what happened to you. A scar's a healed wound. I'll finish with this and then I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to do something well, kind of unusual, but we're all about the unusual in this church. John chapter 20, verse 20 was what I started with, where Jesus appears to the disciples, shows them his scars. There are five of them. Some people believe, some theologians believe that it's five wounds for the five I wills in Isaiah 14 that Lucifer uttered when he rebelled against God and he said, I will become like the Most High. I will ascend up into the sides of the north. There's five of them. Some people believe that there was one wound for every selfish, self-centered I will of Lucifer. But at any rate, Thomas is not there in that part of John 20. Thomas, the one who doubts, He's famous for doubting. He's the one who's always going, ah, we're all, we've had it. It's never going to work. But a few verses later, Jesus appears a second time. I love this 
Because He appears, why? Because in this grouping, this time, the one who was missing before is now there. Don't you know God knows when you are in the building? God knows when you're in the right space at the right time and He's ready to speak to you. He's ready to reveal Himself to you. If you'll say yes to Him, He'll touch you. And so Thomas is there having heard the disciples and saying, you know what? Unless I can put my hand into his side. He had no idea what he's saying. There was a woman in Mark 5 who went through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And just a touch, immediately she was completely healed. She got a miracle. I want you to notice something about Thomas that when in the last part of John 20, when Jesus appears and he says to Thomas, who's been saying with all bravado, oh, this is what I'll do. And Jesus said, Thomas, come here. Put your hand into my side. See my hands. And Thomas reaches out and touches the resurrected Christ. And that's the last time you'll ever read of Thomas doubting. Something happened in the moment when he touched Jesus' scar. Something got healed in Thomas as he touched the healed, resurrected Christ. I believe tonight that there are people who are part of this service and as you reach out and touch Jesus tonight, something's going to start happening inside of you. I'm going to heal that. Thomas went on to become an apostle. They tell us to India, the southern, southern part of India, churches everywhere and most of them trace it back to the apostle Thomas. And I think about the man who, who said, you know, if we go up to Jerusalem with Jesus, we're going to die. But he would go to a land where he doesn't speak the language. He'd go to a completely different culture, but go with boldness. Why? Because something happened when he touched Jesus. Tonight, I'm going to ask you if you would like to do so. I'm going to ask us all just to stand for a minute. Can we do that? And if you're at home or you're in a workplace or you're in a study somewhere, I want you just to stand and hold your hands out, just like Thomas did. And for those of you here where there are wounds and the pain of them still will bring you to tears, the hurt of it, the pain of it, the being upset over it is still there and it's real and it's raw. But tonight, if you will reach out your hands and say, Jesus, tonight I'm going to touch you. Because Lord, if I will touch you, something of your resurrection life will start to flow inside of me. I'm going to be touched. I'm going to be changed as I touch you. Just like Jacob, I'm going to come away from this encounter totally different from the way I came. Come on. There are people here for whom the thing that happened to you has left you so full of fear. Fear has become your constant companion because of what that person did, how they treated you, the, the shock of that. And God tonight is going to heal you in Jesus' name. He's going to begin the journey out of that. There's some of you and you still can't get past what that person who you thought loved you did to you so long ago. But if you'll reach out and touch Jesus tonight, because He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Team, please come. 
begin playing that for me if you would. Just, I'm going to just take a minute and pray for people. And I'm going to ask you, would you do it? Just wherever you are, come on, if you're at home, stand with us. Wherever you are, stand with us. Be a part of the service. Never take it for granted. Never just think, well, I'm just watching like I'm watching TV. Oh, no, you're not. You're a part of a service. Come on. God wants to do something miraculous in people's lives. In Jesus' Name going to give you a minute just to talk to God about what your wound is all about or about what that scar is that you're going to say to God, God, would would you start using this for your glory? I'm going to get the team just to sing the chorus, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. You talk to God a minute, come on. Yes, he is waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Surrender our heart to you right now. We bring our life before you, Lord. Nothing's hidden from you. You see our pain. You were there with us. Oh, Lord, you reached out for us. That's why we are where we are, in your presence. Let healing flow, Lord, into lives and hearts. Let the resurrection life of Christ bring miracle healing into every life. You are, come on. You are way make miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. You are the healer. And you're not random about it. The Word says that you healed everyone that came to you. We're coming to you tonight, Lord. Come on, Lord, I know that there are people in their homes right now and their lives and their families have been torn apart. They're standing before you right now saying, Lord, come on, heal my wound. There are people here and their life has been dogged by shame because of what happened to them and then because of what they've done since. God, I thank You for healing right now in the Name of Jesus. Healing in Jesus' Name. That is who You are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Yes, come on. That is who you are. That is who you are. One more time. Come on, let's sing it. You're our waymaker. That is who you are. Yes, some of you tonight may feel like I need prayer for this. I want to chat to someone about it. Our team will be in the front if you're in the building. If you're online with us tonight, Pastor Bruce will be live from the studio for ministry time in just a minute. You don't need to rush away. Someone will spend time with you. 
keep praying with you because sometimes, you know, I don't think I've ever had a, I've had a few surgeries different times and the doctors have said to me, you know what, give it a few years and you won't even see the scar anymore. I'm amazed how right they are. So many of them disappear. Some of you tonight need to start a journey with Jesus by saying yes to Him. It's as simple as saying yes. You don't have to promise God how you'll change, what you'll do. You need to come to Him and just say your yes. It's so easy to do that. Just text YES to 488 if you're in Australia. That's how easy it is. Or go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Tell us your yes. And then whenever you do that, people did that yesterday morning. Two came in. I don't know whether there's someone who was thinking about it all week long or they'd just been a part of the service somewhere around the world. At a later time, that's why we leave these services up on our YouTube channel. They're there all the time. Because somebody tunes in. and Somebody says, I want to say yes. When you do that, we send you either, if you've done it on that number, we send it to you on your smartphone, a scripture, different one every day, a prayer, a different one every day for 30 days. Then there are many series that you can be a part of if you want. If you send it to Church, it comes via email to you every day. We'll never take your details and do anything with them other than become a blessing to you with that. In Jesus' name. I pray you'll do that in the mighty name of Jesus. We're going to sing the chorus just one more time. Let us know, won't you, on the chat or at info. Talk to Pastor Bruce. He's ready for you right now in Jesus' name. Pastor David, you'll be ready to pray here tonight. Come on, let's sing it one more time. Let's go out into our week. Saying, Lord, you're turning my wounds into scars. make miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You I've never said anything like this in my life, but someone who's a part of the service, you're either here in the building or you're online. When you were a child, you got lost. When I say you got lost, you never got separated from your family for, uh, you know, a couple of minutes. You got lost for a considerable period of time. And the sense of fear that's been in your life has been a part of your life. You're now an adult. It's a long time ago. Your lostness, it's almost like it's still there and you you fear being alone and you fear being away from others. I don't know what the circumstance is exactly. I just know the Lord is telling me someone, that's you, you got lost. Would you let me know people do this? They'll email you and say, that was me. Come down and see Pastor David. He'll pray with you. I believe God will break that off your life in Jesus' Name. What a joy it is to be together. Next Sunday morning, I'm speaking on reshaping. It's a word I believe God gave me about what He's doing for the church and to the church. Next Sunday night service on your roller coaster emotions. You won't want to miss either of those. I know they'll be a blessing to you. Hey, thank you for being here. If you want prayer, Pastor David's here ready to pray. Other than that, Pastor Bruce, here you are.
God bless you. Thank you. Lord.